Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Voice and the host of Inside Personal Growth. And I have a friend joining me from Costa Mesa, California. I've known uh, Dr. Stephen Bazal for probably 15 plus years at this point. Yeah. And we've been friends for a long time. And his message is great. He's been on the show before, but it's been a long time. But today, what we're going to be doing is speaking about his new book, The Optimal Life. Uh, it's Empowering Health, Healing, and Longevity, updated and revised edition that just came out on Amazon. Really great buy. I'm going to encourage all my listeners. Uh, the uh, Kindle price is $9.99, and you can go up there and buy the print version as well. Uh, but Steve, I'm going to let the listeners know a little bit about you because even though you and I know each other real well, uh, the the listeners don't know much about you. So he's the author of this book, uh, which is critically acclaimed, and that's why the second edition and version. Uh, he's an innovator in the field of human potential and human performance. Uh, he founded the first executive health and fitness coaching company, Personalized Health and Fitness in Southern California. And in 1981, after helping a friend who weighed 365 lose 100 pounds, the Optimal Life Empowerment Program Wellness Lifestyle Medicine Healthy Aging was the first wellness course approved by the Continuing Education in California for both medical and chiropractic professionals. His book, The Optimal Life, which again, we're going to be talking about the new revised version, was also online course at PsychEd, approved for CE credits for psychologists, uh, LMFTs and RNs and social workers in California, Texas, Ohio, and Florida. Uh, he's very thought-provoking. He's known as America's wellness go-to guy, and he really does take this and help you connect the dots. Well, Steve, welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. It's been a long time since we've had you on. And this new revised edition, as I was doing the review, I will say, uh, is really great. People ought to go pick this up. And, you know, you have been an advocate. You, you and I meet for lunches. We go out, you know, we've done a lot of things of healing from a noetic medicine approach. So that to me, that's the mind, body, spirit approach since you started your practice. And that goes back many, many years. Um, how would you define the whole body approach to healing? And how does this differ from traditional healing modalities that we see. We see functional medicine doctors. We see, you know, all kinds of people approaching, trying to help people heal issues, which are, can be deep seated from long emotional things. How would you approach it? Well, Greg, why don't we do this? Um, let's frame this concept of uh, what you've identified as traditional. If you're talking about traditional as the medical paradigm, and the medical paradigm of healthcare delivery, then uh, there are doctors that just deal with the physical aspect of your body. That's one dimension, but they only look at it through that through that perspective. There are doctors that deal with your mental health, psychiatrists and psychologists, and they only look at the mental piece of it. There are psychologists that work with people on an emotional level and other folks that work on an emotional level as well, but they only address the emotional and they address each one of these specializations only addresses it in the context of their specialty and doesn't necessarily 
look at it in what I call the context of the the whole enchilada. And that is the if you if you can embrace the concept that we're comprised of spiritual energy, emotional energy, the energy of thought, as well as the physical. And they're all interrelated and they all influence each other. Then any path you go down to try to improve the quality of your life, the quality of your health or the quality of your relationships that don't embrace an understanding of this interrelationship, then what you have is a self-limiting paradigm. And that self-limiting paradigm will uh, will fail you at some point along the way, no matter how much energy you put into it. It's like you're still missing pieces of the puzzle unless you're looking at all those different dimensions of your life simultaneously. Well, we're very complex, uh, physical, emotional, spiritual, and mental uh, spirits that walk the planet, you know. And the the most important thing is it's a holistic approach. Uh, Noetic medicine is a holistic approach. You're not just, in your case, okay, having someone come in as you used to do. You don't do this anymore, but in chiropractic, you know, okay, find this pain, crack their back. You're right. looking for the issues that actually created that. What are the emotional things that may have caused somebody to have these things go wrong with them? And you state that when you speak about spirit, that you're referring to the essence of the individual as an, at an energy level. Um, how much of a factor is our spiritual health in curing illness that we might be dealing with? In your estimation, well, I think that's the that's the hub of the wheel. That's the center of the focal point that most people are not even not even aware of. Great, um, and, and probably a, a a way to put that in the context. Let me put it that way: is that the healthcare delivery model in the United States and what people know about healthcare from the medical paradigm? Remember, the medical paradigm is based upon what we call it's Newtonian physics, which is dealing with just the material plane, the physical aspect of your life. When you're talking noetic, when you're talking spirituality, when you're talking emotional, when you're talking mental thoughts, remember those are all energetic frames of references based upon a quantum model. The quantum mechanics, quantum physics, basically puts everything in the realm of everything in the universe is based upon energy and the flow of energy. So at one level, you could define health as uh, being the uh, the unrestricted flow of the natural energy through all those systems in your body. And what the disease process is, is when there are impediments to that natural flow. And that's natural flow. It's not just in the in the physical, in the circulation of your blood, or your inflatic or your nerve flow going on in the body. It has to do with the emotional energy matrix that the whole body is in. It has to do with the mental thoughts that you think that basically also influence your emotions and also influence the physical. And at the very core of that is if it is true that we are energy creatures. Um, you know, I talk about spirituality and, and the energy of love and the energy of love being the most important energy, and the most powerful energy in the universe, more powerful than uh, any other energy. If all 50 to 100 trillion cells in your body are operating in an energy matrix 
that's defined by love, what that would imply is that every cell in your body then has its potential to reach its optimal potential to do whatever it is from a physiology standpoint at a physical level that it needs to do. Likewise, if the energy matrix within which all 50 to 100 trillion cells in your body are operating and that energy matrix looks like anger, fear, guilt, shame, those are all energy levels that are very, very restrictive and restrict every cell in your body from being able to reach its highest potential, which sets you up for all kinds of different disease processes. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, you know, the vibratory levels at which we attune, um, and, and I think you quoted him in your book, I'm trying to remember, Hawking, S Stephen Hawking, right? David Hawkins. Uh, David Hawking, sorry, yeah. David Hawking. So he used, I went to a conference and he would say, you know, the Dalai Lama vibrates at 5,000 and the average right. person kind of vibrates at, at be lucky, 700, right? So, you know, there was just such a, a huge difference. And I remember distinctly that. And you speak about the rules of health in your book. Um, can you speak with the listeners uh, about the universal principle rules and how these rules affect our whole being? Let, uh, let me do this, Greg, uh, because you brought it up there. But let me define. I believe that there are two pieces of the puzzle that people need to be able to embrace and wrap their head around to be able to optimize their human potential this time around on, on planet Earth. One of them is we touch on a little bit, and that is the health model that you're familiar with that I use to represent this concept of mind, body, spirit, and emotion mm -hmm. is one half of the equation. And my physical representation of that, you know, and, and people will find that in the book is that that concept of what I did was I took a target that has a bullseye. Yeah, I have a questioner a, coming up about that. Oh, you were? Okay. I do. Yeah, 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 yeah. I meant to say you got all the questions, so I was curious if you looked at them. But the <laughs> point was, is that we know it emanates from the heart and then goes out from there in, in um, a circle. Ener right? Energy. Well, the energy thing energy. the energy thing that you were talking about is if the, the relationship that I use here, have you ever taken a pebble and thrown it into a pool of still water? Right. What do you get? You get ripples. Mm -hmm. Which way do the ripples go? Out. From the center. Right. Do you ever throw a stone at one point and then the ripples start from the outside? No. There's, there's an example of, of universal principle that holds true all the time. And what do the ripples actually represent? The ripples actually represent the transfer of energy through the entire system. Mm-hmm. So it emanates, it starts with the essence of, of energy and the energy of love that then the, emanates outward in, and influences your thoughts, influences your emotions, and influences that physical dimension in your body. So if that's half the equation, then we could describe health as being the natural consequence of the expression of spiritual energy, emotional energy, the energy of thought being manifested in the physical plane. Right. So that's that's half of the understanding. Now, to address specifically what you brought up, the other way, you know, when I was playing doctor, I would work with folks. They would come in to see me and 
if you had a headache or a neck pain or a back pain, I can tell you when I did a workup on you as a patient, that wasn't the only problem that you had. There were always other issues. And based upon my understanding of these other issues, I would ask you, I said, Greg, if you came in to see me for a neck problem and you had other issues, I go, are you aware of how you are contributing to the creation of these other problems in your life? And I usually get the deer and headlamp response. Um, and what I couldn't understand was, you know, why, why couldn't people see that there were other dimensions of their life that were contributing to their problems they were only addressing? At well, one level? And it's primarily because they haven't connected the dots. Correct. You know, they, 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 I'm saying they, I'm not saying everybody that listens to the show or anybody, they're pretty consciously aware of people. They right. may have already connected those dots and understand that, you know, a pain here can be associated with an emotional issue here. And unless I clean up that emotional issue, and that could be from many years of trauma, you know, call it the trauma of, you know, a father uh, berating a son at a certain point or a daughter. Psychological, uh, and, emotional. Exactly. Sure. And sure. people don't really normally think about that because it happens in a moment, it passes, they don't think that there is that much of an impact, but there really is an impact because over time you've buried that feeling because you haven't worked through it, as you know. And you state that humans suffer yeah. with health problems, not because we can't resolve our health problems, but because we cannot see the truth about our health problems. Um, speak with our listeners about obtaining optimal health and how they can find the truth. I mean, if this truly is an emotional issue that caused the back pain or the neck pain or the shoulder pain or whatever it is, how do I find the truth in that? Well, you have, you have to understand every game has rules. And if you don't understand the, the rules of the game that you're playing, you don't even stand a chance to win. Mm -hmm. So the, uh, the universal principles that you're making reference to the, the universal principles are the rules to the game of this is how you live life on planet Earth to optimize your potential. And there are two aspects to those universal principles. There are spiritual laws and laws of nature. And just in the one way I could use that health model to define what happens in your physical body as a natural consequence of what's happening at those other energetic levels. The other way that I learned to look at this that made more sense to some people was I could define health as the natural consequence of you being in alignment with spiritual laws and laws of nature. So if that's how you define health, what is the disease process looking at it through that lens? The disease process happens when you're either violating spiritual laws or laws of nature, and you're not even aware of it. So the right. healing process then is what? The healing process very simply stated in that way is identifying where you may be out of alignment with spiritual laws, laws of attraction, laws of abundance, laws of karma, and, uh, um, and laws of nature, correcting those. So the healing process is really just getting back in alignment with spiritual laws and laws of nature. So it's, it's, you and brought up the term. Ten, 10 laws in the book. 
<laughs> well, and it's all it's all about, you know, you know, so what's connecting the dots? Connecting the dots is you cannot change anything in your life unless you are aware of what's going on in the game you're in. Right. And based upon the way we've been raised and the environment from an educational standpoint, whether it's from an educational standpoint, whether it's the religious values, whether it's political, we, you know, for example, the book that you held up there, if you had that book when you came out of the womb and it lists the 10 principles of wellness and goes into deeper detail, explaining at a deeper level, but at a layman's standpoint, what all this means, you would have we would have all stood a better chance of creating a healthier, happier life. Yeah. I mean, I think the probability is greater. I think that this is a process though, and it requires a lot of diligence in on all levels. You know, I mean, we're, we're talking about how we think, how we behave, how we form habits, how psychologically we, we react or we, Act. We're talking about food consumption, exercise. All of these things play roles into the cell's health in the body. And you speak about the the phases of the disease process, right? We say disease process. What are they, and why is detoxification one of the cures for these degenerative diseases? Because, all right. I get it. There's a lot of detox diets out there, but I don't, I don't think you're just talking about detox, meaning <laughs> let's go, let's go, you know, let's go on a fast. That's not this, the, the uh, Dr. Stephen Bazal way. Uh, you're talking about detox in a very, very large, uh, universal picture here. So speak with the listeners about that, if you would. Well, you know, Greg, that's a great question because you're absolutely right. The detox I'm talking about is the, the, the detoxing of the negative thoughts you have in the gray matter between your ears. Right. It's also talking about detoxing from the uh, unresolved emotional business from the past that's never been addressed that sits in your subconscious mind. Most people believe that they're, that the decisions that they make, remember, we are the uh, uh, we are the sum accumulation of all of our words, all of our thoughts, all of our actions to get us where we are now. Mm-hmm. So everything that we do in our life contributes to the outcome of what we're experiencing in some way. And you know, when we talk about awareness, that just sounds like an intellectual pursuit, and I and I get it. All right, and like yourself, I've been a constant learner. But it wasn't until I was struggling to the point where I hit the wall and I asked myself, dude, why is your life not working out here? Why are you not happy? Why are you not feeling connected with people? That it wasn't until I hit the wall and didn't know what else to do that I started asking, okay, if it is true that that I'm contributing to the creation of everything that isn't working in my life, What is it that I need to know and understand to be able even to start to address any and all of these issues? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a, and I think it's by nature of, of being born human is that sometimes we have to hit that depth of the low, low, low points in our life before we're willing to really take a look and go, okay, what's going on here? I'm tired of suffering. 
So in so, your case, what did you need to understand that you think is relatively universal? So behind all this, right, someone has identifies a problem. The problem manifests in some way within the body. Well, not let me stop you, Greg, not just in the body. If you're struggling in any aspect of your life, if you're struggling in relationships. Yeah, emotionally, mentally, mentally spiritually. Right, right. So what is it that if a listener out there right now is listening to you, they're going to go get your book, all right? And they're going to want to learn about this. If you had your own struggles, which every human person, you know, the Buddha said, there's suffering and then there's the end of suffering. Right. <laughs> so, so, but the end of suffering has to come by an awareness. What awareness did you have? There were, when I, when I first hit the wall and realized that my, that I was struggling and my life wasn't working, I had a couple of realizations. And when I was able to embrace these couple of realizations, then at least gave me a frame of reference of giving me some direction on knowing where to go. The very first one was that, let me see, let me, there were several of them, but I think the most, the most important realization was the realization that everything that I was experiencing in my life, I was contributing to the creation of in some way. Now think about how powerful that is. Because if that is true, inherent- so you're saying you didn't blame anyone else, you took full responsibility. That was your realization. A lot the- of people, Steve, as you know, they'll say they did it to me or it happened out there. It was somebody else that did it. We know one of the first principles of universal law is taking 100% responsibility for all your own actions. Right. Well, and that's that's and how I define it is that was the second realization was that the for me to be able to if I fully wanted to be in charge of my life and not be a victim to anything else that was going on. And I really bought into that concept of everything that I do contributes to my outcome. And I'm willing to do exactly what you said. And that is except and, and I even when I define this for myself, I didn't give myself any wiggle room. Okay, when I decided to commit myself to this path. And when I say no wiggle room, the very next thing I realized was, okay, if I was going to take this journey, take this path, I needed to commit to being 100 percent, not just responsible, but accountable for what? For all of my feelings, all of my thoughts, all of my words and all of my actions. There's no wiggle room there. Right. Exactly. All right. And if I was willing to commit to that, I believed in my heart of hearts because I didn't know what the journey was going to look like. People talk to me all the time about, OK, what does that look like? What course do I need to take to change my life? Blah, 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 blah. No, you need to have that internal conversation with yourself. You need to have what I call that come to Jesus meeting about what is and what is not working in your life. And then you have to ask yourself one question. If it ain't working and you're not quite sure what to do, are you willing to do what you have to do in order to get what you want? And in this case, change your life. Mm -hmm. So the third part on that was to be open minded to the fact that there are things that you're not aware of. That you need to know and you need to understand. And one of those things is that 
we're holistic in nature. Right. There's an emotional piece. There's a mental piece. I, I'm like, so, okay. So if there's all these four pieces here, even though my relationship isn't working, what are these other parts? How do they play out in my mind, emotionally, in the body? Because right. if, if I'm aware of what they are, at least I have a direction of knowing what type of research that I need to do from a learning standpoint to become aware so that I can change because you can't change anything without awareness. And well, and, you, you do a really good job in the book of outlining 10 principles of wellness. Um, the 10 principles of wellness. Um, if you would, for the listeners, I don't know. I'm sure I would think you would remember them, but what are they? <laughs> How is easy is it for our listeners to transmute bad habits and insert your healthy living principles into their lives? Because they're, they're in here. Okay. I did yeah, well. my homework prior to coming on the air here. And, uh, would I think even if you just mentioned them, the 10 principles, uh, it, people would get a lot out of it. Well, and, and again, this is based upon my life's experiences of my own healing journey and then having played doctor for a bunch of years. And that was just about trying to help people figure it out for themselves. You know, so that's why I use the term that you used. You know, what the book is really all about is connecting the dots. And I think what I what I saw was people in their heart of hearts, we're expending a lot of energy, mm -hmm. all right, trying to change things in their life. And I saw that all that was, they just had pieces of the puzzle that were missing. Right. That was all it was. So I went, okay, um, because I never sat down to, be, to, to write a book to be an author. I didn't get started that way. What I found is when I was playing doctor, just trying to help people from an educational standpoint based upon what I was learning, I coalesced and started putting all this stuff together over time based upon my healing journey and people's struggles and identified what I call the dots. And I chose the 10 principles of wellness because uh, I just considered them like the 10 commandments. Right. And so based upon the health model, what we talked about previously, I said, okay, what does it take? What are you going to, what, what does it take to get to be healthy in every aspect of your life? Right. And I said, so very simply, and this ties back to the health model. Number one is you need healthy spiritual energy. Number two, you need healthy emotions. And let me just tag on something. Every disease process, what I learned over time is every disease process has its origin and unresolved emotional pain in a person's life. Yep. Now, at another time, we can go deeper into that one. I mean, there's a whole conversation around the emotional healing piece that I address in my globalmedicineman.wordpress.com blog that people are willing to go to. And it's a uh, it's a three part series. The third, then, is having accurate thoughts and belief system is your belief systems and thoughts about how the world works and how you work in the world. Is it accurate or an inaccurate? Because if it's inaccurate and you're making your decisions around inaccuracy, how in the hell would you ever expect to get an optimal outcome? Right. So, you know, the, those and I put them in order of priority. Those first three. And then after that, what is the most important? Then we get to the physical. So we talked about the spiritual. We talked about the emotional. We talked about the accurate belief systems. 
And then we get into the physical. And what's the most important nutrient for the human body? Now, before you answer that, because you already know the answer, uh, you know, this book was a course that I taught continuing education in the state of California, teaching doctors the wellness health model, the wellness paradigm that we're discussing. I would ask this question of whether they were chiropractors or medical doctors in the room, what's the most important nutrient for the human body? I would start with a quiz. Very seldom did they get it right. The most important nutrient for the human body is oxygen. Yep. And if the most important nutrient for the human body is oxygen, then what's the most important exercise? Anything that would move your heart. <laughs> breathing. Breathing. Now think yeah. about this, how this, the uh, uh, breathing. And if you, if you look at what's, what's the core issue around yoga and meditation. Breathing. It's how you're breathing while you're going through each one of these things. So you see, there's, there's all kinds of levels to connect the dots here that I, that I present simplistically. All right. Then if the most important nutrient of the body is oxygen, uh, what is the next most important nutrient of the body? Water. It's water. Right. Hydration. Hydration. All right. So then from there, there's the, you know, hormone balance is one of them. Uh, keeping the body alkaline, which is very important in the context of all the processed foods that people are eating in this day and age, which that on top with, in addition to the medications, is making everybody's internal biological environment acidic, which then is the basis for a lot of the physical disease processes mm -hmm. that are compounded by emotional issues, psychological issues. So it's all related. And all I try to do is break that all out. Well, so as we a, move into those. You do a great move, job of it in the book. And I think there's, there's charts, there's graphs, there's questions. So for my listeners, at the end of each one of these chapters, he has questions for you to ponder and write about, think about. Um, you, you know, you speak about unhealthy emotions. We've talked about this now for the last 25 minutes right. and how these emotions play this big role in our health. But there's two things we haven't talked about. Okay. One is the role of our conscious mind and our subconscious mind. Um, if you would, Talk about the roles they play and what are the 10 healing principles that you talk about in the book? We're, you got through five of them so far. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's the food you eat. There's exercise, the other ones as well. But the, uh, uh, but, but let me add to one of the things about if you would, cause you know, you've talked about, okay, we've got to change our, the way we think we've got to change our beliefs. Uh, but the subconscious mind plays such an important role in all of this. We haven't really addressed how to reprogram that subconscious mind. And I know you have some ideas on that. I have some thoughts. Oh, my, what a surprise. <laughs> um, no, that's a, what most people don't realize is most people think that they're making the decisions in their life, that the decisions that they're making, they're making at a conscious level based upon having awareness and consciousness of what they are making decisions about. What most people would be surprised to find out is that what influences 90% of your decision-making and the decisions that you make don't happen at a conscious level. 
It comes right. from the programming that has happened over time at a subconscious level. Right. That if we want to take it all the way back and your subconscious, it's all in that emotional frame of reference. Here's what people don't realize. From the moment of conception, Greg, and you and me, for the first nine months of gestation, while we were in our mother's womb, we were under the influence of our mother's emotional matrix energy. Mm-hmm. So that means for the, for the entire nine months, as the fetus was evolving and growing, every cell in your body was exposed to all the feelings that your mother was going through. All the joy, all the happiness, but then again, all the sadness, all the pain, all the anger, all the frustration. So by the time that you come out of the womb, guess what? You already have emotional cellular memory ingrained in every cell in that little baby body. Mm -hmm. Now, anybody that has children, you remember when when your babies were little, They only experience the world at a, quote, feeling level. And the world either felt good or it didn't. And based upon a lot of the negative conditioning that happens over time, what happens at a subconscious level, we start to create filters that when they, in the alpha state, that by the time the beta brain kick starts to kick in four, five, six, seven years later as a child, You're already looking at the world through whatever filters were created at an emotional level. Yeah. And most of them aren't the happy ones. Most of them are the negative and the traumatic ones that happen at an emotional level based upon the behaviors, the natural behaviors that you created as a child to survive in an emotional environment, not having what you and I have now as adults, the wherewithal to interpret correctly what was going on at the time. Here, let me give you an example, okay? An example of this is you're three years old. You're playing with a ball out in the front yard. The ball starts to roll out into the street. Mom's watching this. She freaks out and she screams, Greg, get away. Don't run out into the street. Don't don't, don't chase the ball, okay? Now, at three years old, Greg, you or I probably didn't go, wow, look at that. Mom's freaking out. I know this is all about her. Okay, I won't go out in the street. No, what happens is it puts you and me at three years old, our emotional body, it puts us into a state of shock. And the message that it sends us when we get too many of those is there's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with me. I can't figure out why. My relationships (laughs) don't work. I'm not happy. Do you see what I mean? So there's, and, and that's an oversimplified version, but. Uh, and oh, you probably yeah. read from a psychology standpoint how many n- negative life's experiences you have by the time you're five years old. It's compared to the positive ones. Well, I think the, you talked a little bit about quantum physics. So I'm going to relate back to something that I recently heard. You know, talk about the cosmic dream and our dreaming. In, in the two states of which we exist, that being what we think is this real world here right now, right? We, you and I are on a podcast, right? We, right. we say this is the real world. <laughs> and really, so what is the difference between that state of consciousness and the consciousness in which you had some dreams that you remembered 
didn't remember. You you were just basically they're the same. And I, what I'm saying is for people like you just said about mom yelling at me going out to the ball to get it in the street, right? How about one where in a dream a monster is chasing you, and and you're like it just keeps coming after you, and finally you hit this dead end. The monster's there, and you're saying, "What do you want?" And the monster then says, "What do you want?" <laughs> right, right. You, you know what I'm saying? It's like that is the kind of message you're receiving at night when you're dreaming, but in your daytime, what you think is reality. There isn't any separation. The only thing is the detachment to what you really believe is real or not real. So with that being said, you speak about uh, so much in this book, but changing inaccurate and limiting belief systems is one of the things you talk about. Can you help the listeners identify and transmute? What would you do to help them transmute limiting beliefs? Because that's where those limiting beliefs start from. That's where you're right. That's where that's where they, they start, start from. Yeah. All right. Well, the first thing you'd have to come to grips with is that, believe it or not, we're, we're all starting from a point of a limiting belief system. Because when we had these experiences when we were younger and they're all emotional, we created thought patterns based upon inaccurate perceptions. See, at three years old, we had an inaccurate perception. That inaccurate perception that developed over time was there something wrong with me? The accurate perception was, oh, listen, there's nothing wrong with me. That was just mom freaking out. I get that. Now, if you had the ability to do that at three years old, you would be owning your power. See, most people don't realize that because of all the emotional trauma, um, you know, whatever the degree was, uh, the psychological trauma, no matter what the degree is, the you know, from the small to the large, Inadvertently, what happened to us is because when we were little, we were victims. We were victims in the true sense of the word because we didn't have the power. We didn't realize we had the power that was greater than things that were happening around us. So that first level of realization is that if you'll find what you would find is no matter what your struggle is, what it looks like, part of the key to turning any kind of struggle situation around and not suffer is to realize that you have more power to determine the outcomes in your life than you're realizing at that present moment. And that in essence, the term that they use is that you didn't realize it, but we all gave up our power to different paradigms when we were younger. It was to what mom and dad were saying. It was what the teachers were telling us in school. It was what the religions were telling us. It was what we heard about the politics. See, this the, we weren't free thinkers coming from a place of knowing that we had the power to be able to interpret things accurately. So we start at that at the at the end of being ignorant. We start being ignorant and having given up our power. And the game is to realize that you do have the power to change. But for you to take back your power, you have to do what you brought up originally. You have to accept 100% accountability and responsibility for all your thoughts, your words, and your actions. And part of that response. One of those things that uh, I'm certain it's addressed, but I'll just say for the listeners, they've heard this 
a lot of times. Um, the negative self-talk, which then programs every element of everything, our, right? everything right. right? It starts to permeate. And then the words that you speak to yourself and others, you know, it's like other people will say, wow, dude, why are you talking like that, right? <laughs> uh, you know, it's like you have to wake up to the fact of how you're programming this subconscious. Awareness. And, yeah, and, that's, and that's right. The self-awareness of that. And I think if there's two things you could take away from this show is, is one, what is the negative self-talk and what are those limiting beliefs, right? Well, and most people are, they're, they're in denial many times that they're even having negative thoughts or negative self-talk. They're so conditioned and it's been, it becomes so remote or so, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Automatic. That they don't even realize they're doing it again and again and again and again. And it just, this is like working out. You get your muscles strong. Well, if you're doing negative self-talk, you're getting your negative self-talk muscles strong. And then it's harder to break out of that. And that's why open-mindedness is such a critical issue here. Totally, totally. And being open-minded and not, no matter, it's okay to feel whatever you're feeling. I would never want somebody to deny that. But because we have a brain that allows us to think, you can look at that and realize that, well, maybe that's not accurate. If you just question anything that you're struggling with, you might find there's another way to look at it that isn't a negative self-talk. Well, it is your perception of your own reality. And that's the how you shift that perception is by asking those questions. And you have lots of those questions in the book. I mean, it's loaded with questions at the end of the chapters. So, Well, I each think- chapter, Greg, each, each chapter, if I may, for your audience, the even if you don't want to read the whole book, because I know it's, it's kind of like 360 pages. Of, of factual information, this and the other thing. But what you brought up is there are 13 chapters. At the end of each chapter, there are 10 what I call must knows, which is the summary of the highlights of that chapter. Yeah. And then based on that, based on that, then there are 10 what I call must do's, which would be the implementations that you can do to address that aspect of your life in each one of those 10 wellness principles. And they're very clear at the end of each one of these chapters, by the way. So for those of you, you will go to Amazon and you'll get this book. Now, to wrap up our interview, Steve. Okay. uh, It's filled, the book's filled with wisdom. It's filled with great advice. It focuses on things we need to do to become aware of how to become more holistic in the way in which we live. What three things can you leave the listeners with right now that can change their life today and make them healthier emotionally, physically, psychologically, spiritually? What are three things that they could apply like right now? They walk away from this podcast and go, man, that was a great podcast because that dude, that Dr. Stephen Bazaar gave me three <laughs> things that I could work on. All right. Can I, can I give you four? <laughs> You can give me four. <laughs> One of them is going to be Steve Bazal, and then three of them is Steve Bazal's version of something that David Hawkins said that I absolutely loved. 
All right. The Steve Bazal one, and I found the most powerful tool that I could use for myself to change my life was every morning before I got out of bed, as soon as I opened my mind, I set the intentions of what I wanted to create for the day, which allows you to live in the present moment and then apply what your intentions are throughout the day. That's how you create the ultimate change. And here's an example. Okay, what does that look like? For me, it was I woke up when I wake up first thing in the morning, the intention I create is or that I establish is I want to be as loving, as kind, as considerate, as compassionate, as understanding, as patient, as tolerant as I can possibly be with all people at all times in every situation I run into today. Can I be a better version of myself today than I was yesterday? Just as a human being, you'd be amazed at two things. Number one, 99% of the population never sets an intention when they get out of bed. And you know the power of the mind. So if you did that, that's your Steve Bazalism. I'll add one. I'll okay. add to this list. Okay. Before I pop out of bed. And the fact that you woke up. Give gratitude uh, for, you know, the, look at, you have your sight, you have your ability to walk, you have your ability to just get up and get around and do things and be construct constructive. And I always, every morning, uh, thank God for all that I have been given. And I, I'd say, so if you're going to set intentions, set those intentions with gratitude. You get an A plus, dude. <laughs> you, well, you know, it's interesting. It's the, I appreciate you having me on the podcast. I still haven't forgotten about the three. But, you know, you and I could take this and expand this into a one-week workshop. <laughs> you know, because I know, well, your, I know okay. your background, dude. So what is, what is, uh, what are the two three. more? Yeah. Okay, the three. The three or that three. David Hawkins, all right, and then I, Steve Bazal, is a, isn't them. all right? <laughs> okay. Was the Hawkins said something very profound. He said, you know, you don't need a guru in your life. You don't need to find a guru. He goes, the road to enlightenment, there's only three things that you need to do. Number one is you need to be kind at all the two exist, all that exists. What I added to that was beginning with you. Number two was you need to be able to see the beauty in all things. What Steve Bazal added was beginning with you. you. And the third was embrace humility and be willing to forgive. Beginning with you. Beginning with you. <laughs> I like that. You know, those are great things that people, anybody can do. Easy anybody to adopt. Anybody can do, right. Easy to adopt. Easy to remember. You know, look, the first thing powerful, said is. Powerful, powerful, powerful. Set intentions. Gratitude, I added with gratitude. Okay, so it's it's a it's a Greg voice and okay. Steve Bazal one. Yeah, okay, exactly. all right. Now right. there's four, there's four, <laughs> four, and then the ones that you just gave. But I, I think what's really important here is that the people should go out to books. com and get a copy of the book, either the Kindle version or the paperback. It isn't that thick. And the type is big enough. You know, look, folks, 
you can read this pretty quick. This isn't that difficult. Uh, it's really, really, uh, a great book and it, and it addresses every level of where you are in your life. In other words, if you're a beginner, this is a great book. If you're somebody who's had advanced training and all these things we've been talking about, this is a great book because it's a reminder because we, it's one thing to talk about this. It's another thing to actually take action on it. And Steve, I want to thank you for being on Inside Personal Growth and sharing. Again, go to books.drbazal.com to learn more. Pick up a copy of the book. Namaste to you. Thanks Greg, for, with, thanks with for gratitude. everything. Yep, with gratitude and, <laughs> and intention at the highest level. And bless thanks. everyone. Thanks, Steve. Thank you, Greg. Thank you for listening to this podcast on Inside Personal Growth. We appreciate your support. And for more information about new podcasts, please go to InsidePersonalGrowth.com or any of your favorite channels to listen to our podcast. Thanks again and have a wonderful day.